0: dot com slash lawless terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now save 30 dollars on the american-made steel fs56 rce trimmer real steel The FS-56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
1: The purpose of VAR isn't to get all the calls right. It's to get more of the important calls right. And that is what has happened here in Russia. That doesn't mean that it's without controversy or criticism. But just because you disagree with the call doesn't mean VAR didn't work. Hello, Sunshine, and welcome. To the State of the Union podcast, where we look at the beautiful game through lens of red, white, and blue colored glasses. Once again, we are doing a gorilla version of this. In that, myself uh, and my good friend David Mossy are in different places. We come to you uh, as we have for the last couple of weeks from Russia, knee deep in the 2018 FIFA World Cup. Uh, as I mentioned, Mossy is here. I'd like to introduce, as I always do, my friend, my colleague, a Fox writer and researcher extraordinaire. My guiding light, David Mossy. David, how are you, my friend?
2: I am good. I am coming to you from just outside Gorky Park, where I have spent the day. And uh, as soon as we're done with this, I am going to walk back to Red Square. I am thoroughly enjoying our first day off of this tournament, uh, this wonderful city we're in. Uh, Good times.
1: You mentioned uh, that we have the day off. Uh, We all have the day off. We are dark when it comes to our Fox broadcasting just for the day because we've come to the end of the group stage. We pick up the round of 16 uh, on Saturday uh, with some delectable matchups. I spent the day uh, naked with Rob Stone. Uh, I should elaborate a little bit on that. Rob Stone was able to convince me uh, on our off day to go with him to a, what would be a traditional Russian uh, bath spa. And so I spent the day, as I said, uh, naked being hit by branches and sticks uh, by two gentlemen. Something that maybe many of our listeners out here, there would love to be able to do, uh, to, do to me. I don't feel any, uh, any difference physically or spiritually, but I don't regret the excursion. It was an interesting uh, day out, uh, not, not, not because of the nakedness, uh, but just because of the experience of, uh, of doing it. But, uh, Masi, have you ever done one of these things?
2: I uh, know, but it is on the list, perhaps the next day off we have.
1: All right. Well, I, I suppose I can recommend it. It was, it was not enjoyable because I'm not a massage guy, uh, but it was, not, it, it was not painful in any way. Uh, and, 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 at, and at times, I will have to admit, it hurts so good. So, all right, listen. Let's stop messing around here. As we said, this is a guerrilla type of State of the Union. Some of our traditional uh, segments like Mossy Makes the Case and Ask Alexi are not going to be here. Uh, we will we'll certainly have the heart of the State of the Union uh, that we do in each and every week, and then we will, uh, we will go into our, uh, our top 10, our Fox Sports Power Rankings, and much has changed since last week when we spoke, uh, and teams have gone up, teams have gone down, teams have fallen out. But first, as always, we start with Alexi Lawless' State of the Union. Yes, as always, we start with my State of the Union, and it goes something like this. VAR, Video Assistant Referee, as expected, has been a huge star at this World Cup. And just like all stars, it has its supporters and its detractors. For me, VAR has been wonderful. If I had to grade it so far, I'd give it an A-. The purpose of VAR isn't to get all the calls right. It's to get more of the important calls right. And that is what has happened here in Russia. That doesn't mean that it's without controversy or criticism. But just because you disagree with the call doesn't mean VAR didn't work. The right call, in many instances, is still subjective and is still relative to the interpretation of human beings, albeit much more informed human beings. Teams here in Russia have gotten valuable points in the group stage that they wouldn't have gotten in past World Cups. Mistakes have been corrected that would have stood in the past. There is even a new kind of VAR drama that has been created surrounding the moment decisions are revealed. VAR isn't perfect. But it is, if you truly believe in a fairer game, then VAR undeniably has given it to us. We are living in a VAR world. It is here to stay. Either evolve or get left behind. And that is my State of the Union for this week. Bossy, we talked about VAR before the World Cup, and we talked about how it was going to be a talking point. We talked about how it was going to be something that was going to be introduced to the world. Those of us uh, in the United States, will recognize that this is a kind of a rehashing of something that we've gone through because we are already well down the line when it comes to VAR. But the world is being introduced to what VAR. And the way I see it, I think that FIFA deserves, uh, in this case, a pat on the back. They have done a wonderful job of rolling it out. So far, so good. Fingers crossed. While there certainly has been times where it's been criticized and times where uh, you can argue against the call, I think uh, uh, in totality, as, as I said, I give it an A minus. I think it's gone wonderful uh, from a FIFA perspective and from a soccer perspective. Agree or disagree as it relates to the World Cup and how VAR has been implemented, Mossy.
2: I agree. Uh, has not bothered me as much as I thought it would. Has not been that intrusive. The way it seems to work is, if your country benefits from VAR, then you're in favor of it. Uh, if your country is victimized by it, then you're against it. The prime example is Spain, where. In the lead-up to the World Cup, the Spanish media was crushing VAR. And now they're splashing headlines, Viva VAR, because uh, Spain were the great beneficiaries in the group stage between the Iranian disallowed goal and the Aspas goal against Morocco. If those two decisions go the other way, Spain, who are my pick to win this tournament, would have been eliminated in the group stage. So all of a sudden, they're in favor of it. But I agree with you. I I think it's used a little too much. Uh, I'd like to see it only for uh, blatant mistakes. I think uh, calls that are subjective... Let's leave that with the official on the field. Uh, but it hasn't disrupted the flow of the game that much. Uh, and for the most part, they've gotten uh, calls correct. They're, they're one of the best uses of it, and although I was, you know, my team was victimized by this, but I have to say that Neymar penalty against Costa Rica at first look seemed to me like a penalty. And then when you saw the replay again, it was clear that it wasn't. Uh, and, and they overturned it. So that was a prime example of VAR working and ending up with the call, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, look, I, I, think, I think even the most critical and the most anti-VAR people have to at least admit that it has, um, that it has been positive. Now, go, you don't see this ever going the opposite way. This is, this is a done deal. Now, it might be tweaked, and there might be points where either it's a better definition of what clear and obvious is, because I think that comes up a lot. As to what the interpretation is of clear and obvious, and therefore when it should be used, uh, and, and we already know that specifics of it are uh, are the, uh, the the four game changing moments, and that's that's a constant. But the clear and obvious thing, I think, is something going forward. And, and the other thing is, it might be tweaked going forward to be added at different points that aren't in those four uh, in those four instances where we know it's going to be used. But I don't think that after this summer it's going away. Do you think it possibly could not have a future World Cup with the AR?
2: No, I agree with you. Um we've headed down this path now and we're not there's no turning back. Uh, the country that se- still seems violently opposed to it is England, but uh they've just been the worst at implementing it so far. Um in Germany, you know, we covered the Bundesliga, there's been nothing like that Tottenham Rochdale FA Cup match. It it went fairly smoothly in the Bundesliga this season. So, uh the countries that have implemented it well don't seem to have as big an issue with it. And so I think at the end of the day, those countries are going to win the day and VAR is here to stay.
1: Do you think, Mossy, because I would submit to you that it's also changing behavior of players because they know what is happening. And we've already seen it within the tournament, especially a lot of that, the, the grabbing and the holding on set pieces, on corner kicks, in the box. I think it's changing behavior and in a positive way because one of the complaints from a lot of people around the world and certainly people in the U.S. is the diving, the embellishment, uh, and the gaming of the system that in the past you wouldn't have had the ability to see that replay. And I think that that behavior now, in the same way that cameras on freeways and uh, cameras at intersections change behavior, I think that it's changing the game and starting to cut down on the embellishment and the diving in the game.
2: Yeah, the one guy that still got burned with that is Mascherono against Nigeria. Um, But for the most part, you're right. I think it's lessened some of the clutching and grabbing on corners and stuff because uh, players now know that there's always somebody watching, so you're not going to get away with something. So, uh, yeah, that's been a positive byproduct for sure. Less diving, less less clutching and grabbing in the box during corners and crosses and such. So, uh, yeah, I've always been in favor of some element of video replay. It's just a matter of how much. And I have to say, what I've seen in this World Cup has not bothered me at all so far. All right, well, let's finish up this
1: subject with adding just a little twist here, because while it's not video replay, it is something new and something historic. And we saw it in the final day of this tournament in that Senegal, a team that I think you'll agree with me was wonderful, was entertaining, was, uh, was creative, was uh, courageous in the way that they play. They go out, not because they didn't get as many points as the second-place team, not because the goal differential got to them, not because the goals for got to them, um, but because of this fair play points tiebreaker, in and to basically ex- uh, explain it for those that don't know, you accumulate points for the red cards and the and the yellow cards that you get. And when all was said and done, everything was tied between Japan and Senegal, and Japan went through because they had fewer of these fair play points. Do you, number one, uh, we've we've not seen this before. And no matter what you feel, you gotta feel bad for a team like Senegal. Do you think that this is right to decide this ultimately on these fair uh on these fair play points in this instance?
2: I do not. Uh listen, it's like the ninth tiebreaker. It's one step above drawing a plot, so I don't get that banana shape of shape of it, you know, gonna be once in a blue moon that it actually comes down to this, but uh I would like to see it something like shots on goal, corners or something where you a team actually has control over it and, and it reflects on their performance. Uh, yellow cards are so subjective from game to game. It depends on the referee's interpretation. So that is a rough way to go out. And, and in Senegal's case, it was ironically two yellows in stoppage time of their game against Japan that kind of did them in, that they, they were left to rue those. So uh, yeah, it was tough to lose Senegal. They're very, very entertaining. Fans are great. So, and that was a tough way to go out for sure. I'm not in favor of the fair play tiebreak.
1: I'm torn because while I want to encourage attacking play, I think one thing that FIFA has done and the way the rules have, have kind of uh, have, have changed is to encourage attacking play and to give the benefit of the doubt, of the doubt to it, the attackers. But in, in this instance, the reason why I'm torn is because I also want to encourage people being fair. And if you have a team that is able to go through a tournament and limit the amount of fouls that they have and therefore limit the amount of cards that they have, there is a value to that in terms of living up to what, what, this, what this game wants to be and cutting out some of the, um, the dark arts and cutting out some of the, uh, the, the fouls that happen and therefore result in it. So I don't know. I mean, if it was corner kicks or if it was uh, you know, shots, attempts on goal or attempt, just attempts in general, um, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm still, I'm still torn. I haven't decided yet, but I can be persuaded either way. But I think, regardless, we we feel bad for those that are going home that gave us so much, including Senegal. I would also put into that group teams, uh, you know, teams like uh, let's see. I thought Morocco, Iran at different times. Uh, I thought Peru. Uh, these types of teams that that came to play. Uh, and and in the way that they played, they did themselves and their country justice, and they did the sport justice. Uh, But eventually the thinning has to happen, Mossy. It has happened. We are down to the 16. When we get up tomorrow, we were recording this on a Friday. When we get up tomorrow on Saturday, we go to work, and we got the 16. It is an incredible 16. It's a really interesting um, bracket on both sides and plenty to talk about when it comes to this. But we will talk about that uh, in the next segment. That has been our State of the Union. Hit us up, as always. Uh, we still have all of our uh, social media going, Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff. Let us know what you think about this VAR debate. Let us know what you think about this fair, uh, this fair play points, tiebreaker, uh, or anything else on Twitter, on Facebook, and all the different social media platforms out there. But until then, we will be moving on. All right, we're moving on to our Fox Sports Power Rankings. We have been doing this for the last, last few weeks. Nothing gets people more riled up than rankings. Uh, and I, I would venture to guess that these rankings are going to uh, get people riled up once again. Reminder, last week our top ten uh, was something like this. Number 10, Uruguay. Number 9, Mexico. Number 8, Germany. Number 7, Croatia. Number 6, France. Number 5, England. Number 4, Brazil. And our top three last week was number 3, Portugal. Number 2, Spain. And number 1, Belgium. All right, a lot has happened over the last week. And it is reflected in this week's top 10, which is as follows Number 10, Sweden. Number 9, Switzerland. Number 8, England number seven Portugal number six France number five Uruguay number four Brazil and our top three number three Spain number two Croatia and number one Belgium all right so a couple of things to pick out here Mexico after that uh, that I mean that annihilation from Sweden three nothing they drop out of the top ten Switzerland and Sweden, come into the top 10 Germany as we know is going home bounced out of the top 10 and the tournament and our power rankings never to be heard from again or at least till we do them uh, next world cup Croatia a lot of people's darlings right now move up five spots and crack the top two Uruguay jumps from 10th to 5th that is a big leap and Portugal slips from number 7 uh, sorry from number three to number seven all right Mossy Uh, Any comments on our new top 10, things that you agree or disagree with? And I will remind our listeners that this is presented by us, uh, accumulated by us, but not necessarily our individual top 10. We have gone and we've gotten the greatest uh, minds in the game, and we have come up with this top 10. It doesn't mean that you can't disagree. It doesn't mean that Mossy can't disagree. Mossy, do you disagree with any of
2: this? This is like FUBU, for us, by us. But no um, (laughs) – The only omission, I would say, is Colombia. I would have him there instead of Switzerland. Um, I, that first game, to me, against Japan is almost a write-off because of that Carlos Sanchez red card in the third minute. And the fact that they came back and won their next two with a Guinti James, um, to me, they're a very good team. Uh, I love the fact that Peckerman is willing to start James and Quintero together, which is in stark contrast to Sampaoli with Messi and DiBala. You see one case of a, of a coach trying to make it work and get all his best players on the field, and another that's just kind of throwing his hands in the air and has, you know, one of the 10 best players in the world, you know, basically is a glorified trainer there in Dybala, just sitting there watching the games. Um, so uh, I'm high on Colombia. I'm very excited for the Columbia-England game. That's one of my favorite round of 16 matchups. And if Jamez is healthy, I haven't seen the latest on that, but if James is fit and ready to go, I actually fancy Colombia to beat England. I, I, I like this Colombia team. So they would have been on the top 10 for me. They're, they're my one omission. Otherwise, I, I'm pretty good with the list.
1: Why do we have Belgium at number one? They continue at number one, uh, when in in actuality they have yet to play anybody because we know that third game against England was against, against, well, first off, Belgium made plenty of changes, and England made plenty of changes, so you basically throw that one out. But why is everyone so gung-ho about Belgium so much so that we have them at number one and have now for the last few weeks?
2: Well, like you said, they were number one last week, and they did nothing wrong. You know, they they, they played their B team and still beat England, so... Uh, I saw no reason to drop them. Um, You know, there has the truth is, there hasn't been a team that's blown me away because the the ones that have uh, racked up some impressive results have done so against lesser competition, so like Belgium. But um, I I think I've seen enough there that I'm fine putting them in the number one spot. Uh, The team that, you know, (laughs) Spain is still holding strong at number three, even though they've actually shown very little in this tournament, but that's just my preconceived notion coming in that they were the best team and I don't want to drop them that far. The fascinating thing there is, uh, Fernando Yeto's come out and said uh, De Gea is going to start this next game against Russia, uh, but the fact that there was you know, a question about it and, and he might have brought in Kepa is amazing. I mean, De Gea has been awful. He looks completely out of sorts, uh, and it's stunning, really. I mean, a, a guy that we all thought was the best goalkeeper in the world coming into this tournament uh, is now all of a sudden becoming a huge liability, and the, the, the fans and media were all in favor of dropping him. Yetto is actually going against the public opinion there, so uh at number three, I think you could question just as much as Belgium at number one. Okay,
1: well, let's now that we have our top ten here, and people can agree or disagree. Uh, one thing that is uh, that, that we know is our sixteen. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go through the round of sixteen matchups here. All right, I'm going to I'm going to tell you what, who I think is going through in each one, and then I'm going to throw it over to Mossy, and he's going to tell you who he thinks. And we we'll take we'll take the first one: uh, Uruguay versus Portugal, uh, and that is a, a, a scrumptious matchup. We have that coming on uh, on Saturday. Uh, I think that Uruguay is a better team. I think they're a more balanced and complete team. And I think Uruguay is beating Portugal. What say you, Masi?
2: I agree. Uh, Tabarez got it right in the last game against Russia. He started um, Nandez and Torreira in the midfield. Uh, and they looked great in that game. Uh, so there, it's back to the team I thought was going to be uh, on display in this World Cup with some young guys in there in the midfield. And so if he starts that lineup again, I, I think they beat Portugal. I agree with you. They're, they're a better team. I was high on Uruguay coming in, disappointed in their first two games, but kind of back on the bandwagon again off that Russia result. So uh, I see Uruguay beating Portugal.
1: Okay, next up, France-Argentina. Uh, I think that this Argentina team, with its incredible dysfunction and the hot mess that it is, I think this is the moment when it all comes together in a negative way. And they go out against a France team that hasn't been great, but certainly we understand, we, we know uh, has, has talent all over the field. I think France goes through and Argentina is once again and finally exposed for the incredibly flawed team with a lack of direction, identity, leadership uh, maturity that uh, everybody believes on and off the field. Uh, and I think it'll just uh, be, be, uh, I think it will come to a fruition against this France team. What say you?
2: I am picking France as well. Um, The the Dybala issue aside, uh, that was a much better lineup he started for the Nigeria game with Vanagander, who of course provided that beautiful ball for Messi to score his goal, and Di Maria back in there. So it's kind of a novel approach from some probably actually playing your best players. Um, And so, but still, you know, Messi gets that goal early on, and you think, okay, they're in business now, he's going to get a hat-trick, they're going to win 3-0, this is going to be kind of a, you know, back on track performance. And no, it ended up being this huge struggle again. They needed Marcos Rojo to come up big late. So, yeah, it's still always not right there. Uh, they just have some fundamental issues that aren't going to get fixed. And I know France haven't looked that great either, but uh, I, I, I like France. It'd be interesting to see what line of the Champ starts because, you know, I'm in favor of not starting Giroud, starting Dembele Mbappe, and in Riesman, but I have a feeling he's going to go with Giroud up there. But regardless, uh, I take France to win this.
1: Brazil, Mexico. Uh, Our friends from Mexico get through by the skin of their teeth. They needed some help, but they got through. Uh, I... I look at this as Mexico back in their comfort zone in that they looked completely out of sorts when they were asked to have possession and most of the possession and attack, as opposed to the first two games where they countered and had that wonderful transition game. And I think against Brazil, they match up well against Brazil because Brazil's not going to sit back. Brazil's going to want the ball. Brazil's going to attack. Brazil's going to expose space uh, behind that I think Mexico's going to. Uh, uh, capitalize on with the likes of Chucky Lozano, Layun, uh, Vela, and Chicharito. I am predicting a historic win where Mexico, not just, not just wins, but beats Brazil and reaches that promised land of the fifth, fifth game by going through uh, this Brazil team. And Juan Carlos Osorio is, uh, is a, a saint now uh, forevermore in Mexico. What about you? What do you say? I know what you say.
2: Uh, it's a scary game. Uh, no, it's a scary game. Mexico uh, played Brazil very tough. If you look at the head-to-head the last 20 years, it's pretty close. Uh, they've had some real big wins. I remember one in the 2005 Confederations Cup and the 2012 Olympic final at Wembley. Uh, a couple in the Copa America, they've got it. So uh, they do play Brazil tough. Um, I- I'm leaning Brazil because uh, I-, I think Brazil's are coming along nicely. Each game has been, a- been better than the previous one. Uh, one thing I said on Twitter that uh, I'll say here is If I'm Brazil, I would definitely start Marquinhos right back in this game. It's something that chi just mentioned as a possibility, and I would do it here because you're getting nothing offensively out of Danilo or Fogner, and so you might as well shore up the defense. That would match him up with Chucky Lozano, and to me, shutting down Lozano is like half the battle against Mexico. You stick Marquinhos out there, uh, he could take him out of the game, and then you're on your way. Um, But I'm nervous about Neymar with the yellow card situation because Mexico is a team that can get under his skin, and, you know, I, I was holding my breath the whole Serbia game, and I'm going to have to hold my breath for two more because Yellow's only clear after the quarterfinals. Uh, and so we'll see. Neymar, Coutinho, and Casemiro are all still in that yellow card peril. Neymar's the one I'm really worried about. Coutinho doesn't really pick up that many Yellows. And Casemiro, if he does, Fernandinho can come in. That's kind of a, a wash. So, but Neymar would be the big one. Um, so, yeah, I, but I am picking Brazil. I think it'll be tough, but Brazil will get through.
1: All right. Belgium, Japan. Good news for Belgium, they won their group. Uh, and they get to face Japan. Bad news, they go to the left side, which is undeniably the stronger side uh, in terms of brackets, and if your Brazil goes through, they would face Brazil. I am picking Belgium over Japan. They are a better team from top to bottom, and I think they will have no problem dispatching of Japan.
2: I'm picking Belgium too, but this one almost looks too easy. Uh, I've learned one thing in this World Cup. I'm going to assume nothing. Uh, you're not going to hear any more of me say, oh, this team will definitely beat that team. No way this team loses a game. No, no way that team wins that game. Listen, <laughs> you never know in this World Cup. It's been so crazy, but yeah, if I had to pick, of course, I'm going to go with Belgium. All
1: right, uh, moving over to the other side of the bracket. As we mentioned, it's it's a very uh, on the surface, it's a much weaker side. Uh, but as as you also mentioned, this this World Cup is topsy turvy, and uh, what we may believe might not be the reality. All right, uh, Spain, Russia, the hosts get through. Everybody's flying high. Um, and we finally get to see the real Russia, unlike that third game where players were rested. But I still don't think Russia has enough to beat Spain. I think Spain uh, cruises over Russia. Russia bows out of this tournament with their heads held high, um, and Spain continues on.
2: I agree. You know, uh, I mentioned all the talk about De Gea possibly being dropped for Kepa, who's the athletic goal goalkeeper. Uh, the other change that is rumored, which is fascinating, is Fernando Yedo is actually contemplating starting Nacho in the midfield. And Nacho is this kind of jack-of-all-trades, Phil Jones-type. And, and Yero too, was a player who kind of bounced back and forth between uh, central defender and, and central midfielder. So maybe he has some sort of kinship with Nacho, his ability to do that. But that would be a strange move for me. I know, I know Busquets and Thiago and those guys haven't played all that well. But still, uh, that, that to me is trying to reinvent the wheel. Uh, listen, Spain, haven't looked great, but I, I think that, you know, they're the pick here. And the interesting thing is, uh, you know, while their sort of tiki-taka approach you know, teams might be starting to figure that out. Um, they do have this other element now with Diego Costa where they can be a little, little more direct, and they have that, that physicality, that strong target man up there. that can bail him out sometimes. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't like what I've seen from Spain so far, but I definitely think they beat Russia. So they, the uh, host nation goes out in this round.
1: All right, Croatia and Denmark. Uh, Croatia, we've talked so much about, uh, because they have been so impressive. They're, uh, I'm, I'm trying to find a weak link for Croatia, and it's, it's difficult. They, they fear no one, they fear no one, but everybody better fear Croatia, because they are stacked from top to bottom, uh, and they are a machine right now, and I think that they roll over Denmark.
2: I agree. This is finally the breakthrough for this uh, golden generation. I cannot wait, by the way, if Spain and Croatia both win, that's a matchup in the quarterfinals. And the, the, the midfield talent in that game uh, between those two countries would be just extraordinary. Uh, yeah, I mean, the fact that they started basically their B team against Iceland and still won that game and went three wins out of three in the group stage, it shows you that they are brimming with confidence right now. Um, so Croatia is the pick here for sure over Denmark.
1: Uh, then I come to uh, one that for me is the most difficult Sweden and Switzerland. Um, you know, some yellow, uh, out for, uh, for Switzerland, Sweden looked so good, uh, against Mexico and so comfortable in the way that they played. Uh, I, it's, it's not necessarily clipping a coin, but I am going to, oh man, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change it right here. I was a second ago going to go with Switzerland, but I'm going to stay with Sweden.
2: Yeah, this is the 50, 50 and, uh. I'm going to go with Sweden too. I mean, they, have they've, they've looked impressive so far. Uh, they, you know, in, in, in knocking out Italy in qualifying, um, and qualifying and getting, topping this group. And I mean, they were, they were just literally seconds away from getting a great result against Germany and to, to come back off the mat after that heartbreak and to stump Mexico the way they did. So they are a mentally tough team, very strong defensively with Granqvist back there um, anchoring the back line, obviously Forsberg uh, providing the inspiration. Uh, so yeah, I like this Sweden team. I I I lean slightly towards them beating Switzerland.
1: And then the final matchup, uh, Colombia versus England. Uh, be careful what you wish for, England. Uh, and you've already made your feelings about Colombia. I'll let you elaborate on that in, in a second. Uh, I am I am torn here. I, I I I we have yet to see a full Colombia, and if that comes, then I think England is tr- is in trouble. But I like this New England team. Uh, it. Pains me at times to say No, it doesn't. It doesn't pain me to say I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that this optimistic, joyous English uh, supporters culture has emerged. I'm glad to see the English folks that we work with and the English folks that I know happy and positive for a change. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick England. I think England goes through against uh, Colombia. And I know you're picking Colombia, but why?
2: Yeah, I don't like seeing English people happy. I, I would gladly lend my hand to sink the whole island of Great Britain. As uh, Thomas Jefferson once said. Uh, no, the, the interesting thing here is uh, Colombia, the only non European team on this side of the bracket, which I'm calling the Eastern Conference of this World Cup, uh, this side of the bracket. But uh, I think they go through. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Uh, I like this team. Uh, I completely throw away that first game against Japan because of that Carlos Sanchez red card in the third minute. Uh, and by the way, they, they almost got a result that day. They were actually the better team, even with 10 men. And then they came back and won their next two, even with a Gimpy James. Uh, if James is fit, I definitely like Colombia to win this game. And even if he's not, I still might slightly lean towards Colombia. I love the, the weapons they have with Cuadrado and Quintero and Falcone. Like I said, I love the fact that Peckerman is willing to start Hamas and Quintero together in contrast to San with Messi and Dibala. And, and so, uh, top to bottom, I, I like this Colombia team and I, I give them a, an edge over England in this one. The way they played that Belgium thing was interesting because, yes, they landed on the easier side of the bracket, but it is the much tougher round of 16 game. They could be playing Japan right now. Instead, they're playing Colombia. So, uh, if they go out, Southgate is going to be question a little bit over how we approach that.
1: All right. Well, there you have it. Our round of 16. Uh, it starts on Saturday with just an incredible uh, lineup with Uruguay and Portugal and France, Argentina, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi. What a wonderful Saturday. And it just continues on. Every single game is giving us something more uh, on, on and off the field. Mossy, uh, are, you, are you enjoying this experience, this World Cup experience? It's a lot of work. We're not complaining by any stretch of the imagination. It is the, the best Groundhog Day that you could ever live. It is a lot of work. Uh, it is a grind, but it's, it's a great uh, grind. We're not complaining, and I know there's so many people out there that would kill or die to be in our position. Uh, are you able to take a breath and to enjoy and recognize uh, the incredible privilege uh, and how lucky we are to be able to do this?
2: Absolutely. Uh, this has been the experience of a lifetime. Uh, this, this first day off was is, is what the doctor ordered and we have a few the rest of the way. We'll actually be able to enjoy this wonderful city. Um, but, and it, you know, it's, it's been one of the great world cups ever and, and to be able to cover it, it's been a real privilege. Uh, incidentally, I've, I've learned a few words in Russian, uh, Privet, which is hello, spasiba, which is thank you. Uh, niponyo, which is, I don't understand. And one that I'm going to use right now, uh, which is, I'm sorry. And, uh, Injvi Ayush for uh the the audio quality of this podcast, which uh was already shaky and I exacerbated it by doing it from uh, Gorky Park, but uh, hopefully it came out all right.
1: Well, I will use the phrase that I have, which is, don't worry, Moedruk, which means my friend. Uh, And you are my friend, and you're doing a great job, as are all the men and women uh, that are working in front of the camera and behind the camera to bring this incredible World Cup. We hope that uh, everyone out there uh, is enjoying it, is gravitating to it, because we've seen the numbers, uh, as we mentioned, and this will be my one big thing as we end this podcast. Uh, We are seeing this emergence of something that those of us that have been involved in soccer know exists, and that is this incredible American soccer culture. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be people that are immersed in the game. It's just people that recognize that this is happening, and that this is happening day after day, and people are getting up early, and people are going to the bar, and people are experiencing, and people are experiencing uh, this World Cup, and people are curious. And we are getting uh, different pictures and different stories. Uh, and as I said, we're getting wonderful numbers. And the, the fact is that people are tuning in. People are engaged. Now, this World Cup has helped us because of the incredible stories uh, and stuff that we could never have predicted happening. And every single day we come into work, and, and a lot of it is, is written for us. It is, it is there for us to digest and the world's digesting this, and it's so much fun to be a part of it, but the job is not done for the players and the teams or for the broadcasters. We're we're basically just halfway through, and now it gets interesting, and now uh, the stakes are ratcheted up, and there are more and more people that are going to be tuning in. There's going to be more and more eyeballs and more and more battles for hearts and minds, uh, both in the United States and all over the world. And I cannot wait. I hope that everybody continues to get up early, continues to, uh, to follow along. And I hope that we have more of those stories and more of those wonderful games that we have. We will continue to bring it to you whether it's uh, what we are doing on traditional uh, broadcasts, whether it's what we're doing on digital, uh, whether it's the State of the Union podcast, because it is an absolute privilege and pleasure to do that. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back again next week. Uh, thank you, David Mossy. Anything you wish to say before we
2: head out? I echo your sentiments. Uh, the best is still to come. I cannot wait for this knockout stage. Uh, so I uh, look forward to it.
1: All right. We'll talk again next week. And as always, side the day.